Good morning everybody this is Parvati Subramanian and you are listening to the HR Talks I'm a HR graduate and I created this podcast so I could tell you successful HR professional stories and help HR graduates to land on their first HR job and so that together we go on a journey and speak with some of the most successful people in the world from all backgrounds and walks of life to learn how they got their first HR jobs and who knows one day I will create my dream job while I'm recording this series Wow. I mean, I know that doing this podcast would be fun, would be informative for me, therefore for the other people. It would be well worth the time and effort and you know, I'm praying to do this in my schedule. On this show, I talked to Jordan Morgan, the senior recruitment consultant of build construction recruitments and try to get a sense of what it has to be as a senior recruitment consultant and how did they get to where they are today how do they make decisions at their workplace and what exactly made their career a huge success and the goal here is as always rest of us can learn from their example and go on to start their first job if you enjoy my show and like what i'm doing here subscribe on itunes google podcast spotify or your favorite podcast player and leave your reviews on itunes for their HR talks and today's episode Jordan Morgan and I discuss how newly HR graduates can land on their first job how to stand your resume out what it feels like to be a senior recruitment consultant and obviously his HR journey from recruitment agency to the senior recruitment consultant Jordan I'm so glad to have you here I just really appreciate you allowing this interview and being so wonderful and setting it up I have a million questions to ask I want to ask them all I will tell you the reason why I wanted you in this particular show the HR talks It's because 7 months ago almost I read your article candidates entering the mar- Canadian mar- construction market audience if you t- if you haven't read that please go back now stop this recording go back to Jordan Morgan's profile LinkedIn profile May 5 2020 where you are just so blandly honest about the recruitment industry as a whole is largely misunderstood by candidates have you always been that outspoken and that upfront or did something happen that turned a light on you for no i've uh, i'm definitely somebody who speaks my mind and it's uh, it's definitely got me into trouble in my career and with colleagues and friends <laughs> the i i don't know if if there is an answer to this but i do wonder how much of a ripple effect that would have on candidates that are looking for jobs with those outspoken outspoken articles so what do you do what is build recruitment consultant okay so build we're a uh, a recruitment consulting agency uh we focus on construction and construction adjacent positions so that would be like construction management roles but also skilled trades and construction accounting and marketing and architecture and design um but it's definitely all within the the construction focus and everything that every position that we fill is working towards um helping a construction company be great or or a great project be built that was one of my question i was going to ask how can someone get connected to this great opportunity from build recruitment consulting agency so they just have to reach out to me or uh, or either one of the partners um ryan mcandrew or chris sopic but i'm happy to put them in touch mm-hmm. um we run a little bit differently than other recruitment agencies we're 100% commission but every single one of our um employees quote unquote is a private contractor so we actually run a little bit more like a um like a real estate agency um where everybody's kind of their own person and and we all try to make money together so i i think with with construction recruitment it's obvious to me why why professionals love this yeah. so how is a typical day at work so for me i uh I wake up pretty early most mornings because um site supers and project managers start their day pretty early. Um site superintendents are usually on site by 7:30 a.m. at the latest. Um and uh my day really revolves around what needs to be done and the people that I need to get in touch with. 
if I need to talk to some site superintendents, usually I'm going to be talking to them or trying to talk to them before they start their day. So that means that I have to get up really early. Whereas other days when I don't have any um, supers to talk to or anybody that, that needs to chat early, some days I'll sleep in. Um, it, it really affords me a lot of flexibility in my day. Um, but since, uh, since COVID happened, it's a lot less in-person meeting focused and a lot more um, talking on the phone where that didn't used to be the case. A lot of construction people would rather uh, meet in person and be able to shake my hand than before working together. Whereas now that's not really, it's not really an option. So 360. Yes. Yes. So, I mean, I'm, Uh my day fluctuates a lot. I I wish I could give you a um, kind of a breakdown of every single day, but um, I'm under no illusions that I picked a nine to five job. And I definitely am uh, I'm tailoring my day to the candidates or clients that I need to be in touch with. And sometimes I'll be working till 11 o'clock at night and some days I'm done at three o'clock. So uh, what do you think there is a, um, is there is a, uh, sorry, what is the difference uh, between 360 recruitment and 160 recruitment? Sorry, 180 recruitment. So do you mean 360 recruitment at an agency? um versus versus another agency or do you mean like an in-house recruiter from from a 180 side Uh, in-house okay so inside we it's very very different i would say that um from an hr talks perspective you're probably um more familiar with the the in-house recruitment side of things um but the um from an agency side, it's it's sales on both sides. My job is is very sales focused, and much less um, the way that I guess an internal recruiter would be handling uh, reading resumes and uh, representing candidates because they're interviewing them for their organization, whereas I'm looking through the scope of what ones of my clients would this person be good for which ones of my clients fit this person's goals um and i mean if i'm recruiting for a specific job then i'm trying to see whether or not my client would like this candidate whereas i think as an internal recruiter you're more trained to give your your own flash and flair on it and um and make sure that the person fits within your company. And you're going to be very, um, very familiar with that. Whereas I think my job, I have to get familiar with what my clients are looking for and what kind of personality would fit well within their culture um, and then represent that to the candidate. So every conversation is a little bit different from that standpoint. So which staff software uh, build recruitment consultant use? Is that Bombay HR? <laughs> it's actually, it's <laughs> actually just Google Sheets. Uh, we, yeah, we, um, we're, it, it feels very much like, uh, like the Wild West working at Build. Um, whereas in previous companies I've worked with various different softwares, um, I've over the three recruitment companies that I worked for before this, um, I've used five different softwares. And um, Build is it's more of a simple plan. It's We've got a sheet for everybody's clients and everybody's got a sheet. Um, and we just kind of list who our clients are on there and, and what we're working on. So if... Um, so if I want to go and see what what my coworker James is is trying to chase and try and make sure that I don't uh, step on his toes, then I just fire up his his sheet on our on our Google spreadsheet and see see what he's been doing. Um, and I think that we're at the point in our growth where we're looking externally for a different solution. Um, the Google sheets were fantastic when we were seven people. Um, but now that we're 30 people, it's starting to get a little bit out of hand. 
so when you work with other companies that use five different software, how did you learn those software? Whether you put an effort to learn any of the software and pro- program your organization use apart from the assistance from the firm? So I think that the important thing to remember is that most softwares in recruitment have the same goal. They're trying to, whether maybe it's a little bit different um, process by which they achieve that goal, but most of them are logically put together and they're going to be pretty easy to use if you just try to not bring your previous software experience into that. Like if, if I'm sitting down and looking at uh, the dropdown options, if I'm trying to think about the previous software that I used, then I'm going to get no place. But if I'm just trying to use logic and and kind of go through the process the way that this software is is designed, it's usually pretty easy to figure out. So do you think if a newly HR graduate with zero experience in HR industry can be stand out if they study those HR systems, including HRIS, Bamboo HR, or any other software by their own without any company exposure? I, I don't think it's worth it. I really don't. Um, because companies' onboarding system is very specifically designed to um, help you out with their software. Like your first two weeks, you're you're going to spend a, lo- um, a significant period of time getting used to not only the software, but how that specific company uses the software. I'll give you an example. Um, when I worked at Archer Recruitment, we tracked very specific KPIs and some of those KPIs were not reflected in JobAdder, the software that we used. So we used a different um, a different KPI that JobAdder tracks to put in those notes. And then when we did our end of the week or end of the month review, we just knew that that X equals Y. So I would put a note in under, under X but it wouldn't be really related to that. It would just be something that we don't use at all for any other purpose Um, because not every software is going to perfectly represent the goals of the company. So there are some solutions that need to be um, had there. And I doubt that many companies are going to trust your previous knowledge. They're going to find it worthwhile to, um, to train you on it anyways so it's it's not really going to be too much of an asset coming in. I think that it's more important to um, communicate your commitment to learning their software. Too many recruitment um, agencies have a problem with employees not caring about their system. And, and just kind of, um, I would call it like a little black book recruiter who does isn't really organized in the in the online system and doesn't uh, they're they're perfectly organized on their own but they aren't working effectively with their colleagues in that situation so i think that representing um, a desire to work with the system and and learn the system is really important that's interesting. From that note, as a senior recruitment consultant, what qualifications do you think a newly HR graduate should have to apply for any entry-level HR-related positions in the construction so industry? So I think that um, it, specifically HR positions in construction, like if they're going to work for a PCL or an LS Dawn, um, it's, it's interesting because construction is very old school as a whole. If you're working for one of the smaller firms, you you need to be able to roll with the punches because they're definitely, um, they're not going to be as organized. They're probably not going to have a lot of the systems that you would expect if you were going to work for CIBC um, and definitely be prepared, be the type of personality who can, um, who can learn as you go and um, improvise because every situation hasn't been thought of. A lot of the owners of these construction companies are not HR focused human beings. They are focused on how to run a construction team and build a project, whether that's a high rise condo or if it is a, um, a car dealership. <laughs> 
So I think that it's more about being the right type of personality. And then the other step is, is networking because they're not going to hire you if they don't know you. Um, if I was to make a construction HR job posting right now, I would get 500 applicants, like literally too many resumes to, to sift through. Um, I think it's more about attending TCA events. That's Toronto construction association events and, um, United Lands Institute events and, and getting involved from a uh, networking standpoint and meeting some of these construction leaders because that's how you're really going to get the job. So what are PCL, R, and LSR? So LS Dawn, PCL is, is uh, probably the biggest mm-hmm. um, construction company in North America maybe the second biggest. <laughs> um, and then Ellis Dawn is, is right there with them in, in Canada. Um, they're definitely the two biggest construction companies in, in the GTA. Um, okay. So from sales team lead to recruitment mm-hmm. agent, uh, your first job in HR industry was as a recruitment agent in Harvard Network. There is a couple of places yep. I want to go with this interview. One is to go back to uh, talk about your first HR job because uh, that's where it yep. all started. I, 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 I was also curious how. Oh, like how I, how I got the job. How did okay. you apply for your job? Also, you did you got did you got a call for a job? So what happened was when I was in u- university, I had no idea what I wanted to do. In fact, I was in the process of learning that I was not particularly interested in most avenues of HR, <laughs> which was unfortunate because I was in an HR degree. Um, and I had a professor for an internal recruitment class that suggested that. I look into agency recruitment because I speak well and, and I present well in when in uh, hindsight, I don't know that I agree that I did, but, (laughs) um, but she, uh, she kind of sat down with me and um, spent some time going through the, the possibilities and how I would go about getting that job. And her advice was that I get a, um, the, hardest sales job I could think of and I asked for some more guidance and she said door-to-door sales um and I asked why and she said well if you can walk into somebody's business and try and sell them something you're gonna have no problem picking up the phone and so that's what I did and uh I remember it was St. Patrick's Day and I was out with a really old friend of mine And he asked me if I wanted to do door-to-door sales for the rest of my life. And I said, obviously not. (laughs) Um, And so he, uh, when I told him that I wanted to be a recruiter, he said, oh, why, why didn't you tell me this sooner? I know I sit on the, the young construction leaders board with the uh, one of the partners at a construction recruitment firm. And they're looking for people right now. And he actually used to do door-to-door sales when he was a kid. And I was like, that sounds amazing. Um, how soon can you introduce me? <laughs> um, and uh, it was two days later, I had a phone interview. Uh, three days after that or something, I had a, um, a in-person interview. And then I went on a trip to Australia. And when I got back from Australia, there was, there was a final interview that I was presented a job offer in important of networking <laughs> yes it's, it's definitely networking and i can't stress enough how much networking is important because if people like you they're going to want to help you out if you don't know anybody then it's just such a sea of resumes for people to sift through and it's it's so hard to be the one that comes out of a, a pool of 500 so in that interview for recruitment agency, what things you wish to know when you went for your first HR interview in person? Ooh, I am not sure. It, it's it's so long ago that um, that I've participated in so many interviews from from a um, from like the interviewer standpoint because my a big part of my job is interviewing people. Um, I think that I would have wanted to know that 
door-to-door sales was nothing like recruitment. (laughs) Um, And that, because I tried, when I first started, I tried to have a script that I was going to say to every single person and that that's how you control the sales process. And recruitment is just so much more personal than that. Um, And uh, I, I really wish that I would have known that that uh, volume sales is not what I was getting myself into. As a senior recruitment consultant, do you think recruitment is broken? Pardon? Um, as a senior recruitment consultant, do you think a recruiting is broken? I, ooh, that's, that's a tough one. Um, <clears throat> I think in certain aspects it is broken. Mm-hmm. Um, I operate differently from very from the average recruiter. Even people within Build would tell me that. Um, I'm far more relationship based in my sales process than um, most recruiters are. If somebody goes to Michael Page or Hayes or I don't know Randstad, they're gonna get a manager who's very focused on helping them achieve their KPIs. And it's about how many calls you make. It's about how many resumes you send. And it's very sales focused. um, And it's very volume focused. And I don't really agree with that. I think that the best placements are made when you really understand your client and when you really understand your candidate. And very importantly, when your candidate has... um, has given you permission to send their resume out because that doesn't always happen. Um, I Some advice that I would give to people is to make sure that um, you get the recruiter to agree not to send your resume anyplace without your permission. <laughs> um, because if you don't say that, they will probably send your resume every place. Um, and uh, so from that aspect, recruitment is broken. But it's... Also, like, I have to concede that that is what yields the most placements. The most successful recruiters that I've seen out there have a really, really high volume of calls and, and, and um, resume sends. And in deciding that I didn't want to do that, I consciously decided that I wasn't going to make as much money as some of, some of my peers. Um, And then the other side of recruitment that I think is a little bit broken is that um, there, the unconscious bias and and things like that, that we're seeing uh, in today's society, it's, we are almost at the mercy of our clients because I, uh, I won't name any names, but I sat down with a client one time and that client said to me, um, Uh, Now, I don't want to see any candidates that don't fit my specific description that I've given you. And I said, okay, well, do you have anything else that maybe you haven't talked to me about yet? And he said, oh, I'm really glad you asked because I don't want you to send me any Muslims. And I was appalled. And I I was trying to explain to him that I can't, not only can I not ask them about their religion, (laughs) but also that is incredibly racist and and I I can't work on this role at that point. And he said, well, you don't have to ask them about their religion, just anybody wearing a turban. I don't want to see it. And I was like, oh my goodness, that is so wrong on so many levels. And I can't, I can't deal with this. Like I can't. I can't work on this role. I would be liable if, if I turned down candidates like that. Um, and that's not the norm in the industry, but when I got back to the office, my boss was like, well, just don't just follow their instructions. It's an easy placement. Mm -hmm. And the, the sales side of things tends to override the morality side of things. And as recruiters, it's very easy for us to wash our hands of it and say, I'm not being racist. My client is being racist. And that's just not true. Um, I I do think that it's um, our job to uh, stand up to the client a little bit in that stand in that situation and not only identify that they are um, 
that they are being racist or discriminatory in any way. And at the same time, also refuse to work on the role if that's the, the requirement. It made perfect sense. You said a couple of cool things in there that I want to talk about. You said uh, recruiters and recruiters send resume to applications. We do not specify whom to apply unconscious bias and racism. Mm-hmm. Let's say you could snap your fingers and change the industry, change the entire industry of recruitment. And you can do this once with each hands. So you can change two things. What two things would you change? Ooh. Ooh. I would. Oh, that's that's a lot of power. Um, the first thing that I would change would be um, making it mandatory for recruiters to understand the market that they are recruiting in. Um, I think that we get a bad name as a whole because recruiters don't, um, it, like specifically in construction, if I don't understand the process by which a building's built, how am I supposed to interview a candidate? And clients see that a lot of resumes get sent over that are not remotely qualified. And it's not because a a recruiter is intentionally sending the wrong resume. It's because they don't know. So I would first require all recruiters to understand the market that they recruit in. And second, I would, um, and the law actually is already trying to do this, but second, I would make, recruiters more beholden to the candidate. Um, What I mean by that is that the person who pays our bills is the client. Um, It's illegal to charge a candidate for, um, it's for recruitment services in Canada. And the, that results in recruiters picking candidates up and throwing them away like they're a product when I think that it's more of us selling our client as a product to a candidate. If I find the right candidate, that person's going to get a job someplace. Um, if, if they've got a good resume and they speak well and, and their knowledge base is good, then that person's going to get a job. It's more about me finding that person and finding out what that person wants and selling them a a job. Um, And I think that being more candidate focused and understanding that if I was to place a candidate at a job, that if the candidate doesn't work out there, that the client is going to be okay. They're going to hire somebody else. They've probably got a guarantee with me. It's all, it's all fine. But if the candidate doesn't work out there, then that's how that candidate is putting food on the table. And we need to be cognizant of that it's people's lives that we're working with right here. Wow, we need recruiters like you. (laughs) So you are the senior recruitment consultant. There are a lot of people listening who are themselves HR professionals or who are starting HR consultant companies. I want to come back to this topic Mm -hmm. and just mind for you for the information. But first, I want to talk about nevertheless, you are HR professional. What do you like about doing this so much? I like working with people. Um, It's interesting because I'm an introvert. (laughs) But, um, but I'm very outgoing in how I deal with people. And I like the, the building of relationships with both candidates and clients. That's my favorite part of the job, the, the whining and dining a client type of thing. Um, or even just, I've, I've got one of my favorite clients. He and I were just talking about a, uh, a hockey tournament that he took part in a couple of years ago. And, and actually getting to know the person that's my favorite part of my job. From such inspirational stories, I'm wondering, um, you would be more excited about your first HR project you had. What was your first HR project that interested you a lot? So the first role that I ever worked on was trying to find a senior project manager for high-rise residential construction. And... I had no idea that that job is like one of the hardest jobs in um, in all of 
construction to fill just because there's not enough qualified people. <laughs> um, and I, uh, I literally just looked at my boss and said, no problem. I'll find them. And he's like, but you don't even know how to go about finding them. And I said, don't worry about it. I'll be fine. Well, I learned very quickly that I wouldn't be fine and that I needed him to teach me how to find this person. <laughs> but um, I think that was the most, probably the most excited I've ever been about a role. Um, and since then, I think the the next, the next one is just other really high level roles. I find those to be a lot of fun, but I didn't get those, those to start with. <laughs> <laughs> that's interesting having accomplished uh, all these would you say that it's worth it are you happy I'm extremely happy um, this is my dream job I knew that it was going to be my dream job as soon as I started looking into it um, and it hasn't disappointed I wasn't particularly successful when I started and if I didn't love what I do I wouldn't have pushed through to, to where I am today and and like I said, I'll never be um, – some recruiters will bill a million dollars in a year. And the, I'd say that that's probably the best of the best. And I'll never be that guy um, just because I do value the work-life balance and, and I'm not going to uh, plaster resumes all over the place. But I've carved out a, a pretty good living for myself in an area that I'm excited to get up in the morning and do. And um, working for Build is fantastic as well because um, I've got the freedom to do what I want. If I want to go to the gym in the middle of the day, nobody's going to say anything to me about it, which is fantastic. Okay, let's talk about this. Let's talk about some of the other jobs you, where you feel like doing other than being HR professionals. What were some of those jobs? Sorry, you cut out a little bit there. Let's talk talk about uh, some of those other jobs where you feel like doing other than being HR professionals. So, HR professional. so I um I actually do have a side job. I am a dragon boat coach with the Pickering Dragon Boat Club. Gosh, yeah. And mm-hmm. um, I'm very passionate about it. I've been to a couple of world championships, both as a coach and an athlete. Um, and it's it's really nice to be able to focus some of my time on things like that um, in, in the middle of the day. Cause I used to do it, whether my boss liked it or not, but, and, you know, do that thing where I quickly change over to LinkedIn or something like that when somebody walks by, but um, it, it's a, it's definitely a passion of mine and, and I'm very lucky to be able to spend some time doing it. I love that point. There really is no well-laid path as an HR. There is nobody patting you on the back saying, good job, mm-hmm. John, Jordan. You're doing the right thing. Keep going in the direction. So we will be moving to next segment. We will be, ta- we will be talking about how HR students can land on their, land on their first mm-hmm. job. Which course a student should pursue for a career in HR? So I think that there's, there's a multiple different options available to somebody. Um, if they want to get like, like a classic in-house HR job, um, I would say that you, you have to get a designation of some sort. Um, and, and by designation, I mean, I mean a university degree or a college diploma. Um, and, and those, I hear a lot that they're the same thing. I don't know that I believe that they're the same thing. I think that, um, a college diploma is going to teach you more about the specific tasks that you're going to be doing in your HR career. Whereas a university degree is going to be more focused on, um, on the theory behind stuff. Um, and my dad, when I was a kid said this, and I, I think it's super true that people go to university to learn how to learn. Um, whereas they go to college to get a job. And what he means by this is that university, I didn't walk out of university having all the skills that I needed to to do my job or to really do any job. Um, Nobody's 100% prepared leaving university to to do a job the next day. They're going to need some sort of training and they're going to need to learn as they go. But they've been prepared to learn on their own and 
they've been taught how they learn individually or they've they've been put through a process that is going to force them to learn how they learn um whereas in college you are it's it's more assignment heavy um and you're actually put through the paces of, of doing the tasks and i think that um they both have their place and it depends on the person um for as to like which route they take and they're they're both equally good now as after that if you want to be a recruitment consultant like me then i would say do the same thing that i did is get a get a sales job that they'll hire anybody who can speak for like these these companies hire lots of people and just go in and stick it out it's not going to be the most glamorous job you've ever had but uh, put in your time and learn and and then a recruitment agency will hire you pretty quickly after that um if you want to get into talent acquisition in-house, I think it's a similar path. I think it's um, get in with a recruitment agency and then um, apply to internal positions after that because recruitment agencies, any company that has high turnover, not only is it going to be easier to get your foot in the door, but it's also going to be more impressive when you spend two years there. Um, because lots of people move on for, for something else or, or something better or something cushier. Right. So I think that, um, taking the hard route is, um, is more guaranteed to get you the position than, um, than just applying for lots of jobs, getting some sort of experience is better than having no experience. Does that make sense? Did I answer your question? So you yeah, it did. It did. It did. You, you said the difference between graduating from a university and college. Is there is a difference in getting a job to a candidate who graduated from university and college? So I think that um, you are, some companies are going to prefer a college diploma and some companies are going to prefer a university degree. Um, no matter, and we'll talk about this a little bit, I'm sure, when we when we discuss the resume review, but... Um, I think that it's important to be able to relate, uh, what skills you acquired from your university or college experience, um, and be able to say, I have this skill because not just say, I have all these great skills. So do you recommend any HR certifications? I, like CHRP, CHRP? I don't have any of them. Um, it's, it's hard for me to recommend because I knew from the beginning that they wouldn't be useful to me. Um, trying to get into, um, uh, recruitment on the agency side, they don't care about any of those things. Um, I know some people that have their CHRP and they were very successful in getting jobs. Um, or, or I guess they were in their process of getting their CHRP and that's very attractive to, to a lot of companies. Um, I, uh, if anybody reaches out to me, I can, I can definitely recommend um, some of my university friends that, that they could speak to about that, that would know a lot more than I do. So what about applying for membership in associations like HRPA? I, like I said, I, I don't know. I don't know anything about that stuff. Um, in the construction world, it's not as um, it's not as required. But that's also coming from somebody who works with experienced candidates. I, in my whole time of working in recruitment, I've only ever placed two new grads. Uh, and they were both at really small companies that just didn't have the time to do the recruitment process on their own. So um, I, I don't think that I'm the best person to ask about um, about what companies are valuing at that level. Okay, then let's talk about some entry level okay. positions. Um, do you, um, okay, uh, it is very hard for newly HR graduates to apply for positions like recruitment officer or HR coordinator. So, what entry level jobs do you suggest? I, like I said before, I really suggest 
um, getting in with a company like like a recruitment firm or even a sales company um, that can help you. You know full well that this is a stepping stone to getting that job that you want. But if you notice, most jobs don't have like they're not listed as new grad positions. Um, and I think that candidates don't do a good enough job of actually reading the job posting and taking the job posting seriously, including myself when I was in my job search process. If a job said one to two years experience, I would say, okay, perfect. I could get over that. They would consider me. But if you look at the volume of candidates that are going to apply, there's definitely going to be somebody who applies who actually meets their criteria. So they're going to have an easy time picking somebody that actually meets their criteria. They're not going to have to settle for somebody who's a new grad if they really don't want a new grad. So I would focus my time better and apply to jobs that in the job posting, it says that they, there's no experience required besides education or, or, looking at the qualifications that they're asking for and actually being able to sit or stand in front of them and say, I have these qualifications and be honest with yourself. Cause too many people are looking, somebody says HR administrator and they're like, well, I worked at Walmart and that's pretty close. I do not believe that the HR team's going to agree. Um, and they're going to be able, they're going to get applicants that do meet their criteria exactly the way that they want it to. So they're probably just going to hire that person. As important the positions they are applying to, do you think that is important about the cities and province that you should you would recommend to students looking for their child jobs? Fresh okay, out so I actually um, have some friends that are a huge success story of leaving Ontario and um, getting their start elsewhere. Um, they moved to the Northwest Territories because um, the one of the partners in, in the couple um, got a job there and um, she was kind of struggling to, to find her way in, um, in Ontario. And she applied for a job in the, with the Northwest Territories government. And, uh, and she got a, a, her dream job. She, she, she was really, really happy with it. And she knows that eventually she's going to move back to Ontario. But for now, she's really happy where she is. So if you would consider going to one of those more remote locations, there's far less applicants to compete with. And they're far more likely to um, think outside the box for their employees. Uh, and that's just not, that's not just the territories, uh, lots of small communities, things like that. If you're willing to move, um, just think about areas that not as many people are going to be applying and, uh, and you are definitely increasing your chances of success. That's really interesting moving to uh, other provinces and getting mm -hmm their job over there so when I was in my college which is seven months back I always wanted to do something different or how the resumes are screened I am a Seneca alumni my professors always said keyboards are important when writing a resume and the other popular statement now and then is recruiters asking for experienced candidates for a entry-level job and how can we get experience if you don't hire us that was a popular statement so one day when I first started writing my resume in 2018 in my um, HR management class, I included those keywords, the job descri description specified, for example, mm -hmm. communication skills, organization skills, customer service, knowledge of HRIS, which I am doing it now. Too. But back then, I thought this whole concept of hiring one based on keywords and experience doesn't meant anything to me. I wanted to create a software. You know, I even start asking my brother to help to develop a software and we like HR Bamboo. He, it was was like uh, when candidate upload their resume the candidate will be asked to submit their projects and experience and if a candidate is applying for entry-level job they will have a sections to upload their projects to stand them out as a majority of them do not mm -hmm. have HR experience 
so that the recruiter seeing a newly hr graduate resume with no experience might stand them out of the entry level job many candidates will be inspired to be a competitor there won't be any gap that uh, that would not be related to hr and in this way the gap between a reason hr and his or her first interview will make him a passionate hr professional so do you agree with this or not something specific special should be included in the resume other than the keywords which will make make them equivalent to the uh, candidate who has an experience of 1 to 2 years of say hr assistant experience if it's dumb just ignore this as it came i don't so i don't think it's dumb <laughs> i think that everybody has to find a um everybody has to find their way into that first job um and it's a chicken and an egg situation of i need experience but I need experience to get experience. Um and I think that I come back to doing whatever it takes to get some of that experience. Unpaid internship, no problem. Um you want me to to go get coffee for you, be your assistant, no problem. I'll do that. And the way that you're going to get those positions is through networking. If I was to go to a networking event and meet five HR managers and actually keep in contact with all of those HR managers afterwards eventually one of them's going to have a position that comes open and that relationship can help me get over the hump of one year experience i think that that's really the the key to um to getting in there is is building that sort of relationship but also thinking about what other positions could help you get that skill set um just like i did with with getting the door to door sales job that helped me get into recruitment because um somebody was able to identify for me that that's the skill set that recruiters are looking for so the questions that i would be asking these hr managers um while you're networking is is what kind of skills would you would you really value and and gathering that information um and getting their advice as to how to how to get over that hump because they've encountered this 100 times and i guarantee you that they've hired more than one entry level candidate for a non entry level role or somebody that maybe they were expecting to have a little bit more experience but they really like this candidate for one reason or another um that's that's the type of person that you want to be asking this question to because that's who like when i'm talking to an hr manager or a decision maker at one of my clients that's a question that i'm asking what's an x factor that could help a candidate with a little bit less experience be more valuable to you than a candidate that that meets this level what kind of skills would a lot would help you um stretch that experience um zone what kind of person do you want to see so that that lets me expand my search a little bit outside of 5 to 10 years of project management experience in residential construction Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. And I have a question. Mm-hmm. No, we have a questions for you. When um when can we read the article which you promised what makes a resume desirable as the hiring manager? Ooh. Oh no. I did promise that, <laughs> didn't I? <laughs> yeah, yeah, um, I did. You know what? I will commit <laughs> on this podcast to writing it in the next 30 days. Oh. <laughs> thank you. Yeah, and you can I'm hold sure, me to that. I'm sure my audience is with Oh, thank you. No problem. <laughs> Welcome to Extra Talks. <laughs> I'm sure my audience is waiting for this segment resume and cover letter. The selected resume is from Jenny Chang. The position she is applying for is for HR assistant. And what do you think about this resume? Will you consider shortlisting shortlisting the candidate for further rounds? Is this a yes or no in your six six second? Uh, six okay, second so I look? think that um I've got some some detailed feedback, um and it's on both the cover letter and the resume separately, um so. reading the cover letter i think that it's important to understand that 
given the volume of resumes that come in, very few cover letters get read until the candidate is shortlisted. If I was to read every single cover letter that I receive, I would have no time left in my day. So you want to read, write your cover letter to somebody that has already decided on you and, or has already decided that you're, that you're a qualified candidate. And that cover letter is going to be used to differentiate yourself from the other candidates um, that are also qualified for this job. So um, this resume here um, does a good job of writing a lot about uh, her desire in the company. Um, she does a good job of putting important words in bold and connecting her skills to real world experience. But I think she's trying to do too much. Um, she's already done a pretty good job in the resume of connecting her skills to real world experience. And the cover letter is a little bit too general. You can see in there that she's got a, um, she's got positions to put in the company name and things like that. It, it's definitely a generalized cover letter where she could apply to a hundred jobs with the same cover letter with very little changes. And I don't think that that's the way to go about this. Um, a lot of people will tell me I don't have time to write an individual cover letter for every company. And my answer is what are you doing better with your time? If it's Netflix, then you absolutely have time. Um, and it's definitely going to separate you from the other candidates because if you're applying against three candidates and two out of those three candidates have written generic cover letters that essentially mean nothing to this uh, hiring manager. Now it's you and one other candidate. Um, and that's a really, really easy way to uh, differentiate yourself from them. Um, and when I'm looking at the resume, um, the strengths of the resume are that, again, they do a very good job of linking um, her experience to specific skills and it's laid out pretty well and easy to read. If I was skimming this resume, I'd be able to find uh, information that I was looking for very quickly. Um, and she has some skills that she learned at, I would call an HR adjacent position as a manager at, um, at uh, yeah, Tim Hortons. Um, and she, um, she picks out those skills that she learned there that would be applicable to an HR position. And I think that that's really well done. And I think it's something that people don't do well enough. Um, so she's definitely tailored her resume to, um, to an HR uh, admin position, which is really good. And a lot of people won't do that. They'll just talk about all the things that they did while they were a manager at Tim Hortons when 90% of those things don't matter for this role. Um, the, the things that I would work on if I was her, um, for, from her resume is that, um, she talks about some achievements that she has, um, in terms of, uh, like increasing employee retention and things like that, but she doesn't do a good enough job of explaining her personal contribution to those targets. Um, and I think that it would be a natural assumption for somebody to think that maybe a manager at Tim Hortons is not having that big of an impact on their staff, that maybe it might be the owner that had that impact, or maybe um, Tim Hortons corporate had that impact. So I think that she needs to spend less time talking about her GPA and things like that on her resume and use that space to talk a little bit more specifically about um, how she contributed to that, or even better than that, taking that story and applying that to her cover letter and using that as the thing that differentiates herself from, from her close competitors once they've already decided that she's experienced enough. Does that make sense? Yeah. Um, do you think this format is a good or she should use? A so I've, I've listened to a number of your podcasts and um, 
specifically the the one that was that was just before this one or your more recent one and i have to disagree with the idea of a modern format resume i don't think anybody cares <laughs> um I think that the key to a resume is that it is easy to read. Um, and maybe that is a cynical uh, opinion coming from me. Um, and maybe it's a little bit because I work mostly in construction and that these guys, they're simpler people from, from that standpoint. They want to get the information as quickly as possible. Um, one of the key things in a construction resume is, is a project list. And a lot of the time I have clients that say that they don't even read the resume. They only care about the project list. And so I think that my experience has led me to believe that modernized resumes are not as important. Um, and that may be wrong in the, in the grand scheme of, um, of recruitment and selection. But I, I really think that the number one important thing on every single person's resume is the speed at which you can find the information that you're looking for. If I'm looking at somebody's resume and I, my number one thing is their education, how fast can I find what education they have? Because I probably don't have more than 10 seconds or 20 seconds to look at this resume if I've brought in 500 of them. So how fast can I pull out what their educational experience is? Or maybe I care about how long they worked at their most recent company. How fast can I find that information? So a layout that, that makes skimming very easy is an important one. I said uh, whether she should include um, project, a section for project so, list. Like, I, I don't. Said, sure, a a yeah. project list in construction is important because it's the, it's the different projects that you've worked on that you've built because people really care about mm -hmm. like uh, somebody who's previously built high-rise residential condos. Their relationships with trades and, uh, and other stakeholders is probably pretty specific to that area. So their next position is probably going to be building the same thing. So that's why in construction, they care about project lists. I don't think that a project list is important for an HR role. That was, it was just an example. Okay. Thank you, Roger. Thank you, Jordan. And it, it might be very important. It will be very important for her. And she said, like, she applied for many positions and she couldn't find any job. So it will be really important for her. So we are almost reaching to the end of the episode and I will be asking some rapid questions yes, I'm ready. to wind up the episode. Are you ready? <laughs> what is the best advice? The best advice that I ever got is from um, my first boss in construction recruitment. His name's Albert. And he told me that relationships are everything. And that is, is totally true. Worst advice you ever I've got? gotten some bad advice in my life. Um, probably, I mean, from my perspective, it's that volume equals billings. Because I don't think that that's how recruitment should be done. <laughs> But I do recognize that it is generally good advice if your goal is billings. Um, let's say <laughs> when we finish this interview and you sit outside the office and find a lottery ticket that ends up winning 10 million, what would you do? What would I do? Um, I'm a pretty simple guy. I, I mean, as you can probably tell from my decisions to focus more on relationships than and sacrifice top end billings, I'm not somebody who cares a lot about making a lot of money. Um, I'd probably give a bunch of it to my dad. Um, and I would probably buy the condo that I live in right now so that I don't have to rent anymore. <laughs> So as we said about Netflix, uh, what is your favorite, favorite TV, TV show? show? Um, well, I really enjoyed The Queen's Gambit recently, but it's probably Rick and Morty. Rick and Morty, yeah. <laughs> Do you have a role model? or um, Probably my dad. The most? Uh, he's a really, really hard worker, 
Um, and he's somebody who is going to spend the time to get the job done. And if he doesn't have enough help, it doesn't matter. He's not going to complain about it. He's just going to get the job done. Um, when I was younger and lazier, he would, we have a really, really big driveway at his house and he would be out at six o'clock in the morning, shoveling the driveway. Um, and sometimes it would take him until noon and he would come back in and I'd be like, Oh dad, why didn't you come in and get me? And he's like, well, you should have been out there helping me. And it's not my job to get you out of bed. Um, and, uh, just that kind of attitude, I think I've learned a lot from, um, and uh, just his compassion towards me and, and kind of selflessness to, to help other people um, has really helped me guide a lot of my life. If you woke up and had 2,000 unread emails and, would, and could only read, only answer 300 of them, how are all are all two thousand of these emails from real people? Oh, that's not good. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I would probably I'd probably do the first um two hundred. I probably do the first two hundred and then skim the subject lines and pick a hundred out of the rest. That's a that's a good move. <laughs> if you if a movie was made of your life, what would be the name of the movie? Uh, if it doesn't work the first time, try try again. Try try again. What is the meanest mm. thing you have said to your? See, I, I told you I've listened to your your podcast before, and I heard you ask somebody this, and. I think I was trying to think about it and I don't know that I think that a lot of the things that I say are mean, but as you can see from my article and from this interview, I'm a pretty blunt person. So I think you might have to ask my colleagues what I've said that is really mean because maybe I said something that was really blunt and they were like, Oh God, Jordan's a jerk. (laughs) It rhymes. Pretend you are a CEO and what three concerns about the firm's future keep um, you up at night? The, um, the effect that recruitment technology is going to have on our um, longevity. Um, personally, I feel pretty safe in my position because um construction is a little bit more technology proof in the next 10 years than other um, industries, just because relationships are so important. And a lot of construction people are not on LinkedIn. Um, And so it's harder to find people. It's more referrals and things like that. But if I was, um, if I'm looking more than 10 or 15 years into the future, the, um, the AI and and other recruitment solutions that are cheaper and um, maybe provide a better service than us just because um, computers can do things faster than humans can. Uh, that would be my biggest concern. Um, other than that, just how to keep my consultants uh, happy uh, I think good people in recruitment is um, is the number one, um, I guess, recipe for success. And how to train my employees better, because my skill set is where all of my experience comes from. So um, I see that a lot of recruitment managers train people based on what worked for them. And my skill set is tailored towards building relationships, but that may not be what works for the next person. Whereas maybe one of my other bosses that I've had was the best salesperson that you've ever met and they could sell um, ice to an Eskimo kind of thing. Um, And they are going to teach recruitment uh, based on their experience. So finding the best training program for each employee and maybe um, figuring out the different personality types and, and success factors for people. I think that that would keep me up at night as well. 
<laughs> you will become a great CEO. What have you done that you are most proud of um, in your career journey so far? Ooh. That's a tough question. Um, I think probably my first ever placement was a really big deal for me. Um, it was a long time coming. I, I didn't bill anything for a really long time when I started. And a little bit of it was bad luck. Like I had a candidate, I placed a candidate and they didn't show up for their first day of work, which doesn't happen very often in construction. Um, and uh, I had some off a lot of offers that were turned down, an offer that was rescinded after the candidate accepted it, things like that. So it really felt like a huge accomplishment to make my first placement, even though it was a small one. The last question, which I allowed you to ask, what is the lowest grade? Oh, I failed a class. It was bad. Um, in university, I didn't attend as much class as I probably should have. <laughs> and uh, yeah, I got, um, I had one class that had a 60% final and I bombed the final and uh, it was a required course. So I had to take it again the next year. And it was my own fault because I didn't work hard enough. Oh. <laughs> I have kept you so long enough, Jordan. It's a tradition that at the end of every episode, I ask you what your advice is for people listening in. We have got an audience full of people who are primarily but not exclusively HR professionals working full-time jobs and newly HR graduates like me considering to start their HR job. What is your advice? I think that hard work that position? Um, definitely overvalues uh, skill set. Um, I think that if if somebody is, or sorry, is hard work overvalues talent. Um, if you're very talented but you don't work hard, somebody who works hard is going to beat you every time. Um, and I think that um, relationships really, really matter. Um, that advice that I got from from my old boss Albert, um, relationships at net and networking are really how you're going to build your career. Um, it's much less what it says on your resume. My pleasure as always talking to you. Thank you, you so much for having me. And uh, anybody who has any other questions for me, feel free to reach out. Oh, thank you. Thank you so much, Jordan. If you enjoy listening to this conversation and you want really easy way to support the podcast, why don't you head over to iTunes and leave us a cute ratings or even a review. In addition, if you are HR professionals and you should follow me on LinkedIn on the HR Talks page. It's a great place to get feedbacks on pretty much every problem or questions that you might have in the HR journey. As always, thank you so much for listening and I will see yes. you next time.